are on. It's a journey that many of us were already on. And I hope we've gone further in that journey. We've gone deeper with God. As Paul said at the very beginning, it's a journey that brings peace. It's a journey that brings joy. It's a journey that brings us alive, that can bring us wholeness, a journey that can set us free. The whole series has been about spiritual formation. And some of you might have been here for most of them. Some of you might have just joined us, joined our church during this series. Um, but the que- I've got loads of questions for you this morning, but the question I want to start off with is, how is that journey going for you? How is the journey of becoming more like Jesus going for you? And at the start, um, Paul used this definition from invitation to a journey. It's a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So another question, do you feel like this journey, this process of becoming more like Jesus has blessed you, but also has it blessed others as your life has changed? Um, My favorite verse in the Bible is Philippians 1 verse 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is the one who works in us. He is the one who changes us. He is the one who makes us more like Jesus. But we need to respond. We need to respond to him and his invitation. It's about a willingness to surrender. And Paul, at the, during the start of the series, used that verse from Jeremiah, like clay in the hands of the potter. He's making us into a new, beautiful creation. But again, that's something really intentional as we allow ourselves to be molded. So today I'm going to ask you different questions as we review elements of the journey we've been on. And we're going to continue, of course, even though it's not our specific teaching series, we're going to continue on that journey of becoming more like Jesus. And my guess is, unless you're a super swat, you won't have pressed into every single area and every single aspect of what we've chatted about. But I hope as you've practiced one or more of them, as you've leaned into them, it's helped you become more like Jesus. As we say around Carrick Vineyard, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And perhaps as I kind of review all of them this morning, there'll be some things that you're like, yes, I'm really glad that I've gone deeper in that area. I've been able to pursue that. And maybe there's something you'll think, oh, yes, I really wanted to do that a bit more, think about that a bit more, explore that a bit more in my spiritual journey. So this morning is an opportunity to say, well, it's not too late. There's still time. You can still press into that and pursue that. So this morning could be a wee reminder or a prompt of some of the things that we've done that you really want to explore with God. And remember, this whole thing isn't just about a series of spiritual practices. It's about how we live our whole life. And as we said during the series, if we're a different person in work than we are in church, if we're a different person at home, then there's a problem because we're becoming more like Jesus in every area of our life. As God's people, we're bringing light and life into the world. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if we're a gardener, a teacher, if we're retired, a childminder, a doctor, a stay-at-home mom, a chef, a business person, as a parent, as a friend, as a son or a daughter, as a grandparent, 
wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, whatever your family circumstances, we are his special representative where we are. Everything we do matters and everything is spiritual. So how, another question for you this morning, how is this becoming journey touching every aspect of your life if we believe everything is spiritual? We also look during it at how we're all so different. We all have different personalities. So how we relate to God will be different as well. Some of us, for example, are extroverts. We love the community and fellowship aspect. We love, we're the last one standing in the cafe at the end of church. We're having to be chucked out. We're just going to press into that community and talking and encouraging. Some of us maybe are more introverted. We love that when Paul says silence and solitude, you're all over that. You absolutely love the quietness. And it's important to embrace that, as we've said. What practices fit your personality? What draws you closer to God? But as we mentioned, it's also so important to lean into some of the things that maybe don't come naturally, that aren't fully you. So that's another question to ask you this morning. Have you factored in your personality as you've embraced this becoming journey? Have you leaned into some new things maybe that don't come naturally to you? And remember, our unique mix of personality, our past experiences, who we are, our passions and gifts, our God's grace to us. We're one body, many parts, and we all have our part to play. So we looked at prayer. Prayer is about intimacy, about being closer to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. And this Henry Nguyen quote is really striking. We want to move closer to God, the source and goal of our existence. But at the same time, we realize that the closer we come to God, the stronger will be his demand to let go of the many safe structures we have built around ourselves. Prayer is such a radical act because it requires us to criticize our whole way of being in the world, to lay down our old selves and accept our new self, which is Christ. Prayer, therefore, is the act of dying to all that we consider to be our own and of being born to a new existence, which is not of this world. I wonder if you've thought of prayer like that as a radical act. Yes, prayer can bring us comfort in our lives, but it, it can also make us uncomfortable because as we come closer to God, we lay down our old selves and accept our new self, which is Christ. So another question for you this morning prayer for you does it feel radical are we letting go of safe structures to become more like Jesus so the goal of prayer is relationship it's discovering our new self in Christ becoming more like him connecting with him so when we looked at prayer before some of the questions Paul asked us about our prayer life was is it consistent is it life-giving does it bring close intimacy with Jesus is God inviting us to do something differently and maybe if we're struggling with prayer, which many of us do at different times, what one thing could we do this week that's different? Maybe choose a specific time or a place, or maybe choose a different time or a place than the one you've had before. And the goal is connection with Jesus. <coughs> 
We looked at different types of prayer. I um, just want to briefly remind you of those because you might go, oh, I forgot about that. I really wanted to do that, to explore that. And if you want to look at them more closely, they're on our website under what's on and sermon notes. But we looked at fixed our prayer, which are regular and consistent patterns of prayer, which help us to attend to God throughout the day. Some ideas of consistent times. When you wake up, um, there's a little app, First Five app, that's kind of geared towards women, but it's a First Five app to spend the first five minutes of your day with God. You could check that out. Meal times, traveling to and from work at the start of the working day, in your break time at work, lunch time, if you're waiting to pick up the kids from school, if you're waiting in a queue in Tesco's or at the doctor's or whatever, if you're walking your dog in the shower at the end of the day, pick a time that you are going to really fix your mind and pray. During the course of this series, um, I let you know that the 24-7 prayer launched an inner room. It's an app you can download on your phone. Um, and they give 10 reasons why we should get this app. One, categorize your prayers. Two, add them to your visual prayer board. Three, cr create prayer lists to prompt you. Four, set reminders throughout your day to pray. Five, prayer and Pray in spare minutes using quick pray. Six, listen to your prayer prompts as you walk or travel. Seven, be inspired with new ideas to help you pray. Eight, visualize your prayer points with photos. Nine, connect with God anytime, anywhere. Ten, it's probably better than checking social media. <laughs> so there's ten quick fire reasons. It's a great app. If you love your phone, if you love technology, why not use the inner room app instead of flicking on Facebook or Instagram or whatever your choice app is instead. We looked at breath prayers, um, living awareness of God's presence, like 1 Thessalonians, praying without ceasing. And in our life group last week, I think it was, Philip was telling us about Brother Jardine before he answers the phone, before he picks it up, he prays for that conversation who he's going to talk to, before he touches the handle of a door and goes into your room. He prays for the people that you'll meet in that room and what God's going to do. He's trained himself to pray just in those natural moments of the day. And that's like a breath prayer. It's just like as short as you can inhale and exhale, a short sentence like, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me and um, help me receive your love. Lord, your will be done. Why not just get into that habit? My breath prayer I think would be God help <laughs> that's pretty sure I can do it while I inhale and exhale that's quite often my breath prayer but Richard Foster says breath prayers allow us to go through all the activities of our days in joyful awareness of God's presence with whispered prayers of praise and adoration flowing continuously from our hearts that sounds pretty good to me and we looked at the prayer of examine so um, there's stuff again on our website about this or you can just Google it yourself. But it's just assessing your life every day, examining each day, asking really good questions. Where's God in the situation? How's God leading me? What in my day led me towards God? What led me away from God? What you could ask, it's really simple questions. What was today's high point? What was today's low point? Where in my day did I sense I connected with God or where was there a disconnect? Where was I happiest today? What made me sad today? So these are just simple ways um, to really press into prayer. So I really encourage you, if you didn't do it when we chatted about it at the time, to have a look at those. 
In the end, the prayer of examine is about noticing, noticing the good gifts God gives us, noticing the presence of God in our lives, noticing the ways we feel God. When we notice, we become more conscious. When we become more conscious, we grow. That's from meditative prayer, Richard Peace. So just really encourage you all, think about prayer again. Think about ways to go deeper in prayer, to maybe do something different in prayer because... As we said, the things that you started off with when you first became a Christian probably won't carry you through to the very end. So it's about working out what God is calling you to in this season of your walk with him as you become more like Jesus. Of course, reading the Bible is a key element of spiritual formation. We looked at that. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um. Whenever I read that verse, <coughs> I really thought um, it came into my head really quickly. And I remembered when I was about 16, I went on this beach missions trip. And um, I was quite a diligent young person, as Kathy and others who knew me back then will testify. And before we went, they sent us like this list of verses, like memory verses to learn, so that if you were talking to people on your beach mission, they would be on the tip of your tongue. And that was one of the verses that they um, was on the list to learn, and that's why it was so easy, came easily. And it just made me think, you know, We've kind of lost that a little bit, haven't we? The whole memory verse thing and learning scripture. And it, it, it's a really simple but yet special thing to do, like to have the Bible on the tip of your tongue, to have key verses that you just knew without even having to look them up. So it just challenged me again and encouraged me again. That was just a by the way. We looked at formational versus informational reading. Um, are we letting the Bible form us? Or are we letting it change us? You know, I just encourage you again, look at different tech or translations of the Bible. I've loved recently reading the Passion Translation. Some of us love the message. There's ESV, NIV, New King James. But maybe if you've read the same one for years and years, why not try a different Bible version? Um, I was talking to someone during the week about the Version Bible app. Um, again, let technology be your friend. There are so many plans on there. You could never exhaust the Bible plans. So it can you can set up a reminder on your phone. Remember to read your plan. And then if you're like me and you miss a few days, you can press catch me up and you get back to it. There's three-day plans, 30-day plans, one-year plans. Here's just some of the topics that I've looked at. Presenceful prayer, leaving a lasting legacy, unshakable hope. Whisper, how to hear the voice of God, fasting, love and marriage, there is more, Goliath must fall. There are just a few titles, so have a look at that. Yeah, so if you do want to read it yourself, Paul's saying you can let it talk to you it can, or you can watch it on videos, which is amazing. So there's like so many ways we can explore the Bible these days using the technology and all of that. We looked at Lectio Divina. I won't go through it all. It, again, the notes for that are on our website. But the, there's the five, or no, six R's. Get ready. Choose a passage. Read it. Read it out loud. Listen for the voice of God. Reflect on it. Respond. Rest in God's presence. Contemplate what he's saying to you through his word. And return to it throughout the day. Maybe it could tie into the memory verse thing. You know, just pick one phrase and learn it. And then it just flows out of you and comforts you and helps you during the, 
during your day. And I'd really love to know, you know, which of you have used these different tools to press into your Bible reading and how has it helped you? How has it helped you in this becoming journey? So that um, was that. Um, we looked at silence and solitude. Um, I found it quite amusing during that little season when we were looking at silence and solitude because some of us find that difficult. You know, our culture is so fast-paced. It's not in our... It's not normal, probably, for many of us to just sit in a quiet place without a TV or a phone or whatever and be quiet. And it's quite alien to Paul <laughs> as the extrovert. But it was so funny when he was speaking on that because, it you know, when that happens, it just seems to pop up everywhere. So when we were at the Legacy Conference in October, people kept talking about silence and solitude. Paul um, went home on the Saturday night to look after the kids and kindly left me there. And Jay Pathak um, stood up to speak and he just started talking ab again about silence and solitude. And I'm texting Paul going, guess what Jay's talking about? You can't get away from it. So like Jesus did it. Um, we see it in the Bible. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus connected with his father, going to a solitary place where he'll be undisturbed. We see in scripture how Jesus seeks his wisdom, understands his identity through these times with the father. And he does this with his disciples as well. You know, um, I've got, I got into quite a good routine with this, but then we got a dog. <laughs> And um, I didn't want to go downstairs and wake up the dog early, so now I need to find out a different way how to do this whole silence and solitude thing. But I just would love to know from some of you guys, like, how have you pressed into that? How has it worked for you? Um, this quote, there's nothing magical about solitude that makes God suddenly appear. God's everywhere all of the time. It's just that most of the time we're so busy with everything else we don't notice. But by practicing the discipline of solitude, we're creating a space in our lives that God can be with us. You know, there's so many benefits hearing God's voice. You get a de deeper sense of peace and rest. You're restored emotionally, physically, spiritually. It helps us to rely on God more and we get fresh revelation of his love. Like, just spending time quietly in his presence, it's amazing. We looked at celebration. Elaine encouraged us to celebrate in every season of the soul and the ups and the downs. She reminded us that Jesus came to give us life in all his fullness. Celebration is central to all spiritual disciplines. Without a joyful spirit of festivity, the disciplines become dull. As she reminded us, we didn't sign up to dull. We need to celebrate who we are in Christ, a new creation celebrate one another and celebrate together and some of us here are maybe really good at that maybe we don't need much encouragement to celebrate um I f was thinking about all these different practices and spiritual disciplines and I was thinking if I'm being honest for me that is one I need reminded of sometimes sometimes I'm not that good at celebrating I'm just so focused on oh what I want what I want God to do what I'm longing for, what we still have to see and all of that. And we need to have joy and fun and celebrate what God is doing in our lives. So you can, if you're going to challenge each other about one that you find difficult, you can say to me, how are you celebrating these days, Chantel? And I'll take that on board. <laughs> um, Ian kindly shared with us the whole idea of fellowship and community. 
And, you know, Jesus had the three close disciples and then he had the 12. He didn't, he wasn't like a lone ranger. Jesus wasn't just doing God's work on his own. And we need that too. We need companions on the journey of becoming. It's part of our spiritual protection as well. We're aware that the enemy wants to isolate us, condemn us, make us feel on our own. Everyone can be on the pitch. No one needs to be a spectator. As you've heard us say around Carrick Vineyard before, everyone gets to play. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, on I know we've probably gone on about this life group before I'm not talking about our Wednesday one which Paul boasts about but I'm part of the Thursday morning life group as well and we started again um, in January and as um, some people had been there loads of times but some people were new so we just went round the room and we're chatting and introducing ourselves and kind of saying why we'd chosen the group and I nearly started to cry because we just went round the circle and all the different women, like loads of them were just saying, I just love this group. I just love that we encourage each other. I just love that I get to come here and spend time in God's presence out of my day. And um, they were just saying how outside of the group, you know, through the church, people just text each other, encourage each other, build each other up. And I just thought, wow, this is what it's all about. You know, we're a team, we're all in this together. We're becoming more like Jesus together and we can't do it on our own. So that was just such an encouragement to me. We shared about becoming more like Jesus in the area of trusting him with all that we have. That verse in Proverbs, in all your ways, acknowledging him and the freedom that it brings when we give openly and generously with the good gifts he's already given to us. Later on in that passage, I shared Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. Also, we thought, well, if we're going to grow in all these different areas, then we do need to grow in this one too. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. And as I shared in that, it was a challenge to some of us. Are we growing and becoming more generous and more like Jesus in that whole area? Um, rest and Sabbath, coming near the end. It's a biblical principle. It's a commandment. It's a gift to be enjoyed. Fun, feasting, relationships, rest and play. It's how he made us. It's a joyful time, but also a spiritual time, time out before the Lord, intentionally practicing his presence. And we looked at stopping, resting, delighting in the things that we enjoy and in the people we love to spend time with and contemplating God. As we practice Sabbath, we become more like Jesus. And for me personally, and um, this is another one that I know that I need to grow in, you know, practicing Sabbath a day away from normal activities, enjoying God and fun and people that I love. And um, we've said before about divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And my question to you this morning is, 
are we building in that into our, our lives, that commandment that's not just an optional extra to rest and observe Sabbath in our lives? Johnny shared with us, Johnny Farrell, about loving one another, serving one another. We're only going to be able to do that if we have all this in our lives, if we have Jesus, if we're becoming more like him. If we don't, it's hard to love people if we don't have God's love in our hearts welling up. You know, and as we grow together, the sac- we see the sacrificial love of Jesus even before he went to the cross for us. Johnny shared with us about washing the disciples' feet. That was a dirty job and not a very nice job. Washing Judas's feet, even though Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, he still chose to wash his feet. And as the church, we become more like Jesus. We get to shine God's love into this broken world. That's what we want at Carrick Vineyard. And that can be your neighbor across the street or someone across the world or um, the precious kids in Bokaji in Ethiopia, for example. So my question to you about that is this morning, are we willing to enter into those messy relationships? You know, it's not always easy. We're a a group of people. We're not all going to be best friends. Sometimes we're going to annoy each other. Sometimes we're not always going to get on. But when that happens, do you just walk away and forget about it and avoid that person? Maybe it's not a clean job washing someone else's feet. You know, do we run away at the first sign of conflict or do we commit to the relationship? Do we wrestle with it a little? Do we work it out together? And maybe sometimes you might need help with that, but we're committed to working out these relationships and loving one another deeply. I'd really like to finish um, with a quote from a book that I really love. Um, It's called Just Like Jesus by Max Licado. It's one of the first books that I ever read when I became a Christian. And I was trying to find the actual book in my house and I couldn't find it, but I thought, I know I must have this quote somewhere and I had it saved in my laptop. So I think I probably read it out in 2010 when we first planted the church or something because that was the date. The strap line of the book is, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And this little bit is at the start of the book, and um, Max Zicado is describing his new house. I just want to read it to you. My writing room is different. Just a few months ago, these walls were white. Now they are green. Once these windows were curtain-covered, now they are shielded by shutters. My chair used to sit on a tan carpet, but the tan has been replaced by white. To be candid, I had no problem with the tan carpet. It looked fine to me, nor did I object to the white walls and the curtains. From my perspective, the room looked fine, but not from my wife's perspective. Denelin loves to decorate. Better stated, she has to decorate. She can no longer leave a house unchanged than an artist can leave a canvas untouched or a musician a song unsung. As for me, I'm content with owning the house. My tastes are, shall we say, less sophisticated. In my view, a chair and a refrigerator go a long way towards award-winning interior design. For me, the Herculean task is purchasing the house. Once the transaction is complete and the house is bought, I'm ready to move in and rest. Not so with Denelin. As the ink is drying on the deed, she's moving in and remodeling. I wonder if she inherited this trait from her father, her heavenly father. 
You see, the way Danilon views a house is the way God views a life. God loves to decorate. God has to decorate. Let him live long enough in a heart and that heart will begin to change. Portraits of hurt will be replaced by landscapes of grace. Walls of anger will be demolished and shaky foundations restored. God can no, longer, can no more leave a life unchanged than a mother can leave her child's tear untouched. It's not enough for him to own you. He wants to change you. Where you and I might be satisfied with a recliner and a refrigerator, he refuses to settle for any dwelling short of a palace. After all, this is his house. No expenses spared, no corners are cut. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Ephesians 1, the message. This might explain some of the discomfort in your life. Remodeling of the heart is not always pleasant. We don't object when the carpenter adds a few shelves, but he's been known to gut the entire West Wing. He has such high aspirations for you. God envisaged, you know what I mean, a complete restoration. (laughs) He won't stop until he is finished, and he won't be finished until we have been shaped along the lines of his son. That's from Romans 8. Your creator is making you into the image of Christ. He wants you to become just like Jesus. So this whole journey, this whole series of becoming, it's not just about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are tools to help us become more like Jesus for our sake and for the sake of others. Years ago, um, there was a Christian band called Delirious. Some of you might know them and like their songs. We used to love their songs and go to their concerts and all, bring back all the memories. Um, One of their songs was called Deeper, and one of the lines in the song was, the wonder of it all is that I'm living just to fall more in love with you. That's what it's about. We want to go deeper. We want to fall more in love with Jesus. We want to do that as individuals, but we want to do that as a church. Church, we need to go deeper before we can go further. If we want to be a place of hope, if we want to find the love that Jesus brings us and generously give it away, we can only do that if we go deeper ourselves, as we become more like Jesus. That will become more possible. As we become more like Jesus, we'll see our own lives change, but we'll see our community changed, we'll see this land changed, and that's what we long for, isn't it? We don't want to stay still, we don't want to, we can come as we are, but we don't want to stay as we are. So I just want to say to you this morning, as you're chatting in cafe, over a coffee, as you're with your friends during the week, or in your WhatsApp group, or in your life group, or whatever, two questions. As I've reviewed all the things we've covered over this time, what's one area you're growing in, you're rejoicing in, you're becoming more like Jesus? And what's one area that you'd like to do that a little bit more? I just want to thank you all for becoming with us, for being on this journey with us, and for desiring to become more like Jesus and encourage you to press on towards the goal. Thank you.